table. Welcome to DNA Sports Talk. This is Don the D and DNA. This is Ace of the A and DNA. Where we come to you live each and every Monday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On WWE AM 1100, iRadio Now, Radio, TuneIn Radio. Where we bring the facts about sports. If you don't agree, say so. Hello and welcome. You know we don't start to the beat drop. G, I know it's been a minute, but come on, man. Oh, I thought you were going to give us bars. I was. Waiting I got the, those too. I was waiting Keep for the bars too. They coming. Bars, Mars, stars. <laughs> and this is why we say farewell to some people. Uh, welcome to DNA Sports Talk. This is Don D and DNA. What's going on? This is Ace of the A and DNA. We're bringing the facts about sports. You don't agree? Say so. Call in four four. 603-8770. Once again, 404-603-8770. Also live on Periscope as well as uh, Facebook. Uh, welcome back to our old engineer, G, who has forgotten how we do things around here, but that's okay. <laughs> we got a lot of topics to discuss today. Uh, recap on some NASCAR, some the All-Star. Uh, Kobe's farewell was today, 224. NHL to discuss, Major League Baseball, NFL, collective bargaining agreement, uh, whew, the PGA Tour. We got a special guest, Mr. Okanai Slim. We'll be getting to Billison Pool. This is Black History Month, but we have a special guest in the building now. Mr. Dale Nelson, how you feeling, man? Good. Good. You trying to be all cool and whatnot. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Put a little bass in your voice. What's going on? You all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jalen was the winner of our uh, fantasy football this year. How did you win the entire thing this year with uh, the lineup that you had? Tell me how you won. It's all good. I just kept the same players in the entire time. <laughs> Who were your main players that you had? Lamar Jackson. Oh, that, that is good. That, that, that's 60 points every, who, every who was week. Your, who, who was your defense? The Titans. Oh, that, that's, that, that, that's, that, no that, one, yeah, no. yeah. So you wasn't probably giving up no more than 17 points a game, so that's about what, in our league, that's about 12. That's about 12. And if you throw in a turnover or Yeah, a I'm saying, yeah. You start off with 10, so you, right. you don't give up any points or stay between, what, I want to say six, three and three and, and nine, something like that. Something three like and nine that. points, and they can say throwing a, a turnover. Special teams, so yeah, there's there's just sixty points a game right there. Lamar threw for what two something a game on two fifty plus and ran for another hundred. Two more touchdowns and t- about three total touchdowns. Yeah, cheat code. It's all good. Listen, you, you yeah. picked them <laughs> and nobody else, right? And you ain't giving nobody no tr- no trade picks, right? Yeah. But I want to hit a real story though, because you was ready to say forget it all by what like week six. Kind of. <laughs> So that that's that's a lesson in what? I don't really know. 
No, no, no. So you didn't give up. You almost said you didn't want to be in the league no more. And then you wind up sticking around and look where you at now. About to get some free prizes. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so let me show you what you want, man. You over here trying to be uh all incognito. So when we have our league play, obviously when the championship ends, it bleeds into the NBA season. So most of our um our gifts and prizes go into the NBA season. So, but I do have some football stuff in here too. But I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Trey Young is a favorite player of yours. Yeah. We got you a Trey Young jersey or a t-shirt. You know we gotta stay true to old school, true to Atlanta. I'm gonna match you up a little bit, you know. Got you some wristbands if you're out there playing soccer. That all goes in that bag. So what is it about Trey Young that you like? Um, That's the same with you? You got the same kind of shot? No. <laughs> you working on it? Okay, yeah. I got you. Uh, this, especially talking about Trey Young and the Hawks. Two game winning streak. They play tonight in Philly. Philly, of course, is without Ben Simmons for a few weeks. But it's a chance for the Hawks to do something they haven't done all year, which is to win three straight games. And by doing so, they can move a few inches closer to a possible, a mathematically possible say, mathematically chance stay alive. So, so in you, the playoffs. Do you want to see Eastern the Hawks in the playoffs, line. or do you just want to yes. see them in strong? Yes. That, that, those are both simultaneous. If you end strong, that means you're in the playoffs. Regardless, you got to end strong. I mean, the same but, as they but, did last year. But I mean, ending strong could be 500 over the next 25 games. About, but they need and, to be a game over 500. Okay, but that still don't mean you'll be in the playoffs. No, but I'm saying if you end strong, you're in the playoffs. You said which one do I want to see? I want to see them. You want to see both? You want yeah. to kick either too? I I kind of want to see them just end strong. Now if that gets them the playoffs. That's fine. That's really how weak the East is on the bottom half this year. But I'd rather just see them make the playoffs. I mean, I'd rather just see them in strong, kind of see what we thought they would have started off as beginning of the season before you had Trey Young get hurt, before you had Collins lose 25 games. I just kind of want to see what this nucleus does and then maybe have some another good draft, another good picks for next next season. Well, they will. And then... They're, regardless to where they end up, they will be guaranteed a top seven pick. Yeah. Regardless. Now, if they are less than 500, it'll be a top five. You you can't go... And in this draft, you only got three, maybe four players. You got Edwards from um, Georgia. You got uh, Mello from overseas. Mm -hmm. And you got uh, James Winston, the one from Memphis, who isn't playing. Outside of those three, it's based on need. Yeah. There isn't anybody yet We'll see. Well, Cole Anthony, that's the fourth. Cole Anthony from Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. Who's been hurt most of the time. But he's been hurt. He's back now. So outside of those four, five through 40 is going to be based off a of need and what you can bring. And we'll see what happens when the tournament, when the um, conference tournaments take place and then the NCAA takes place as to who emerges as a leader and who steps up at yeah. that point. You got, um, I can't remember the guy from San Diego State and um, the one from Dayton who are starting to emerge now at this point. But again, when you get into conference play, that's when the cream rises to the top. And that's when Bill will be able to see 
who can really lead a team and who can do not only just the scoring aspects of it, but maybe you just need somebody to be uh, DeAndre Hunter, who's somebody who can just come in and score 12, lock down defender on the wing, four or five assists a game. And at that point, all those will be fleshed out. It, and we'll see based, we'll see who earns their paycheck as GMs. No, yeah, and I mean, I agree. I just feel the more play you get with this nucleus, obviously, it'll be better. I just hope they end strong just for the fact that I like the coach that we have. I want to see him one more year. He kind of got some bumps in the road this year with, again, Trey Young getting hurt, Collins getting the suspension 25 games, then them turning around and kind of revamping that that, that roster a little bit at, at trade deadline. So let's see what he does next year but him ending strong would kind of alleviate how they played the first half of the season and, and you know now they make the playoffs they make the playoffs but i'm not putting my hopes up that high just in strong if you're in playing 500 ball then that's fine with me what's your thoughts on trey young that i feel like he was doing pretty good until he got injured and since the all-star game the last couple of games Got one more thing here for you. Open this up. This is from the hometown. This is from the Falcons. A signed Roddy White uh, uh, poster. So, old school. I, I, maybe if you win next year, you get Julio. <laughs> <laughs> Julio going to be with the Falcons next year, though? Woo! You want, you want that hate mail, don't you? <laughs> I, that, I'm just messing around. Julio ain't going nowhere. I mean, he's... He's a Falcon for life, along with Matt Ryan and Grady Jarrett, which is why the Falcons are having a hard time with the cap, which is why they're going to more than likely hadn't been official release. Devontae Freeman freeing up about $8.5 million because at that point, you got to sign Austin Hooper more than likely. He went to the Pro Bowl. Granted, he was the replacement, but he still made a Pro Bowl. And... You still got Ridley on the books. But you got to do something but some, with some, the defensive end, and hopefully they do that in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I like I like Hoop, but there's some tight ends out there that you know. Oh, you, I know you ain't finna say Jordan. No, 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 your, no, no, uh, no, no, no. Reed needs to be Washington. Tight. No, but you got Ebron. You got some other guys that you know what I mean. But they're gonna cost money, which the Falcons don't have. You talking about trying to get a dollar out of fifteen cents? They're gonna be struggling you think, you think to Hoop, make that you happen. Think, you think Hoop gonna take a, a, a hometown discount? No. So. I, I got, I mean. So you pay hoop and then you stuck. Now you have to draft. And it's going to be all on um, TD, Dimitrioff, to make it happen in the draft. First three picks got to be defense. Oh, nine and seven. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nine and seven. It is what it is. Right, so we'll see. Appreciate you coming in, man. Don't win next year. Oh, we're coming for you next year. Heavy is the heavy is the crown that the head that wins the crown. I think is what they say. We come for you next year. We gonna make sure you don't do. I ain't gonna tell you a secret how you win this year. I ain't even gonna tell them. I'm gonna let you live. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let you live till next year. They start doing good next year. I'm gonna tell everybody what you did this year. <laughs> Fair enough. Shame. All right. All right. This is DNA Sports Talk. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back. The 1100 AM is right here. This is DNA Sports Talk. This is Don, the D and DNA. Make sure you check us out each and every Monday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
through TuneIn Radio, iRadio Now, and iHeartRadio. And make sure you check out DNASportsTalk.com. If you're more than just a Hawks, Falcons, or Braves fan, get the latest and greatest sports news on MLB, PGA, NASCAR, WNBA, NBA, NCAA, and NFL news and highlights. Are you tired of eating the same thing every week? Then wake up your taste buds and go to the best Nolan-style food in Atlanta. Copeland's of New Orleans in Atlanta has the best Cajun-style food, specializing in seafood. The Jazz Brunch on Sunday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. is the best of both worlds. If you're a sports fan, they have several TVs and a great bar to watch your favorite team. Just be careful if the Saints are playing. Tell them DNA Sports Talk sent you. That's Copeland's of New Orleans in Atlanta, 3101 Carl Parkway, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Enjoy food and life. Jackie Robinson. When you hear that name, you automatically think of strength and courage. You think of someone who broke down barriers. It's time to add another name to those qualities. Cicero Murphy. Caroline from New York, he is the only black American world title winner and Hall of Fame inductee into the Professional Billets Hall of Fame. Did he endure the same treatment as Robinson? What motivated him to get to the top of a Caucasian-dominated sport and stay there? Pick up a copy of the book, Big City Nights, the biography of the legendary Cicero Murphy. It is beautifully written by his grandson, Tyreek Murphy, recounting what made his grandfather a historic man. You can go to Amazon and get a copy of the book for your Kindle or in paperback form. Make sure you go and read about the billiards Jackie Robinson, Big City Nights, the biography of Cicero Murphy. Hey, I'm Murphinetti. You can say Murphinetti Collection is the newest, comfortable, luxurious, and trendy exclusive fashion line that fits its diverse clientele. From the music industry, to the sports world, to the judicial system, to the political world. <laughs> to the average everyday professional, Murfinetti Collection is the new way of life. www.murfinettifashions.mybigcommerce.com. Once again, you can shop Murfinetti Collections at murfinettifashions.mybigcommerce.com. And now, back to DNA Sports Talk with Don Stinson and Asa Brown on WWWE 1100 AM. Hello and welcome back to DNA Sports Talk. We're bringing the facts about sports. You don't agree? Say so. Once again, call in 404-603-8770. Also live on Periscope as well as Facebook with your thoughts, comments, questions about the topics that are we discussing in sports today. Uh, we just had our winner in, once again, Jalen Nelson. Congratulations for winning for our, our NFL Fantasy. If you're tuned in visually, you can see we have a sharp-dressed individual in here with us, Mr. Okinawa Slim. How you feeling? Hello, hello everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, Listen energy. in. It's a good show. And now it is officially the Okinawa no, Slim Show <laughs> featuring DNA Sports Talk, so we'll just sit back and relax as we discuss this great man who has become a friend of ours, only one of two African-Americans 
selected for the Billiards Hall of Fame. Can you first talk about what that means to you? Well, it started a long time ago, really, with my father. Um, when I started playing pool at the age of seven, uh, my father pretty much had a goal set for my myself and my other two brothers. And I kind of like took the lead on that and playing pool. Uh, my brother started off playing really good, but I did have a goal in mind. And um, that was one day to be in the Billiards Hall of Fame. And I never knew that I was going to come to this point because of being nominated back in 2016. You know, in over 40 million people that played a game of pool. And for me to see something like that taking place, my father didn't get a chance to, to, to hear this information because he passed away in 2013. But he did have an opportunity to listen to me uh, when I was in Russia, St. Petersburg, Russia, back in 2007 when I took second in the world championship for the banks and kick category. And he, he was so excited about that. And he just kept talking about it. Um, how good I am and what I've done with the sport and helping with senior citizens and working with the youth. And he just said to me one day, he said, son, you have a lot of knowledge. He said, but what good is that knowledge if you don't share it with others? And um, by him saying that, it made me feel so good that I can be in this position to help people. And that's why I feel like I'm so excited. The words can't describe how I feel really about being nominated for the Hall of Fame and the Billiard Hall of Fame and and being one of two African-Americans in the world. So it Say makes that it, one more time, please. I don't think people heard that. One of two African-Americans in the world. The world, Craig. The world. the world. Out of all the millions of people who play this sport. Makes you want to cry sometime. And when one of the companies that sponsors me, sponsored me, um, nominated me, and honestly, I cried. I really cried because of the fact that it was a very emotional feeling at that time. And I looked at it and did the, did the, um, my agent and I, we did the, um, the statistics on that. And we did come up with the idea based on reports that there's over 40 million people in the, in the world that play pool. And for me to be selected, to be nominated, just waiting for that time now for me to put that green jacket on. So that's what they get is a green jacket. Probably some other perks, too. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, some of the people that you have influenced and mentored, one of it is uh, Miss Kia Sitberry, who we've had on the show. And she had mentioned that you've been a great mentor to me. Well, you know what? I, I say this truthfully because uh, most importantly, when you start believing in yourself, and your character development, then others start believing in you. And I truly, I truly from the heart believe in Miss Kia Sidberry because of the fact that she listens and she learns, you know, like that. And she pursues everything and she's a great player. And um, anytime that I can help her, whether it be with a game of pool or just listen to her have a conversation, I like to try to be a mentor, not just for one, but for all, but at the same time, you know, and she's um, she's also being sponsored one of the companies, uh, McDermott Q Manufacturer. She's being sponsored by them as well. So I help her get on board with that. You know, and it's a great thing. And speaking of that, speaking of that, McDermott, and you're not going to realize this and believe it, June of 2020 will be 38 years 
that I've been sponsored by McDermott Q Manufacturing. 38 years. 38 years. Wow. I am the longest active ambassador for McDermott Q, and it started back in June of 1982 when I was pretty much like a little kid. And um, I was in the Marine at the time, and my contract was based on a handshake. You don't do that anymore. Everybody's (laughs) got to put stuff in writing. Right. But the key with me staying with this company is because of the quality uh, of the company that makes the cues, the character, and the trust, and the loyalty. I've had quite a few people, cube companies, that call sent me messages and said that, you know, they wanted to sponsor me, and I told them, no, I, I'm already with one company, you know, like that, you know, Q Manufacturer. And they said, you're really loyal. And I said, yes, I am loyal. But loyalty plays a role. It's a two-way street. It's not one way. So you, it's a give-and-take thing, you know. And so... So many have tried to come and sway you away, but you never left. I never left. And I have records to prove it, the emails that I used to receive how people wanted to work with me. But I'm always there because of a handshake. And I showed my loyalty and I showed my commitment to McDermott Q Manufacturer. And uh, we're going to see what's going to happen come June of 2020. Right. Um, I, 38 years is a long time, a long time to be sponsored by one company. It's a loyalty and you believe in the product. That's the most important thing. Speaking of sponsors, tell us why you dress so nice. Well, you always come dress, you know, extremely well, but the nice pink that you have on. Well, this is my pink paisley, and the reason the reason that I, I purchased or this vest was uh, provided to me by Paul Malone um, Clothing, and they're out of Florida. And because of this pink, I, I thought about working with some people. We were talking about breast cancer awareness, and you know, I wear pink, and real men wear pink. But I wear a different a variety of colors when I put on shows, and... And I dress like this when I put it on shows. But when I had an opportunity to speak with a um, um, couple of representatives that work for Paul Malone, you know, the customer service is so great. That's the first thing I'm going to say. Um, the second thing is um, the quality of the clothing was just what I was looking for. And so, and then not only that, because I'm a Marine, I'm always going to be a Marine. They gave me a military discount. And they also gave me an additional discount. And I, I, when I see people who work with military veterans and to help give them discounts of whenever they purchase any type of product, I'm going to do what I can to help them just as well. So they're not one of my sponsors, but hopefully they'll be. But at the same time, it doesn't matter. They provide the quality product that I'm always looking for. And so I have different colored vests that I've got from them, or I'll receive from them, if you will. And I wear different colors based on whatever month or whatever situation is going on for that month. You know, I wear purple, I wear red. Red I wear because of uh, drug awareness, and I wear it for the youth. And I wear, and drug awareness is not just about uh, drug awareness, but it's also alcohol awareness as well in the month of October. So I do that, and I wear red when I put on shows for, for youth. So. so if you just tuned in, we're sitting here. This is now the official Okinawa Slim Show. Featuring DNA Sports Talk, we're talking to the the legendary and the incomparable Mr. Okinawa Slim, one of only two African-Americans that have been nominated for the Billiards Hall of Fame. Slim, what is it about working with the youth that just drives your passion? Well, 
as I, one of the most key things about that, when I was growing up, I saw a lot of adults looking out for youth. Um, it takes a village to raise a child. And that's something that the stigma has always been there, but it's real. And by working with some of the youth, it's an inspiration to me because it's, a, it's part of giving back. You know, one of my friends talked to me the other day and he said, our universal creators get one for giving and one for receiving. And it's important to, instead of looking out, looking to get something in return, it's important to give. A lot of quality time with the youth, like I was, I was at the Boys and Girls Club, I started off and I saw the mentorship that some were needed. And so it's an inspiration to be able to walk around, talk to some young, men, young, young boys, and it's a long story, but it. it wouldn't be enough time on this show to talk about how I feel and what I have accomplished and what I have done to work with the, the different kids. And I use that term strongly because of the fact that um, when I was at some of the schools, and something I would never talk about anybody's name, but I was a mentor for one of the schools. And I used to call his house to help him out with his schoolwork. And the thing what happened with that, there was some jealousy involved because I was calling the house. That young man that I was working with wind up in the youth detention center, a, a, a strong, true story. So, you know, I had to step back, but I didn't let it hold me back from doing what I can to help others. When I travel around the world to do an exhibition, I always talk to the promoters to make sure they have some type of, have youth there so we can help educate the youth because pool is not just about playing pool. It's about giving as well. And you know, teaching kids um, the mathematical side, um, the physics side, the geometry side. Not only that, but it helped them to interact with each other. That's the most important thing, you know, in a good way. So I look at that and like I said, I can sit here and talk all night about helping people. And not only do I help the youth, but I also get involved with senior citizens. I had an opportunity as a Marine to talk with some um, um, senior veterans. Not that I'm qualified to speak as a senior representative for the Veteran Administration, but I had an opportunity to speak based on my personal experience of what I've been through. And I had, it's almost like it's a tour set for me now to go around and help out with the, uh, the veterans, the senior citizens, and do what I can to help them just as well. So I spend time at some of the uh, senior uh, um, facilities, senior centers, facilities because they have pool tables there and we sit and we talk about different things it always has to be about pool but we talk and I spend time because my father used to do that and used to always wonder why every Sunday we would stop by a senior house and sit on their porch back in the day and we would have lemonade and cookies and my, my brothers and I we was always thinking wow let's go with dad we're gonna get some <laughs> lemonade and cookies but it wasn't about that though it was about sitting there and communicating with seniors and get, gaining some knowledge wisdom so i have the knowledge they call it light and i give it also and it's important so you've been as you mentioned all around the world what are some of the best places that you've had a chance to put on an exhibition or maybe just outside of pool that you just had a great time and gotten a, a good feedback and response from people that you were visiting well, two, really two locations, but one was in Okinawa, Japan, because that's where I started from with the name Okinawa Slim. 
Um, and I felt like it was so good because when I was walking down the street, I didn't, in Japan now, and I didn't realize that people really in Japan knew who I was when I was, because they called me Okinawa Slim and they saw me on television. And then I walked down the street, a, a little boy walked up to me, hey, Okinawa Slim, you know, just like that. He says, um, he says to me, he says, uh, um, Konnichiwa, Okinawa Slim sign, you know, like that. And then I didn't know what was going on, but then some other people came around. But it felt so good to be able to go to these um, different facilities and learn how to speak the culture language. It helped me out. And every pool hall that you can think of, um, I had an opportunity to visit them in Okinawa, Japan. And um, this is a true story, too, because of the fact that I remember, of course, I won 16 consecutive pool tournaments in Okinawa, Japan. So, you know, that's another reason. But I had a chance to play the Okinawa National Champion at that time, and that was back in 1979. That's a long time ago, but it was really great. Um, I got a lot of inspiration um, when I went to Russia, St. Petersburg, Russia, uh, in 2007. And there was a lot of love. In fact, there was a lot of love. There was uh, a big cake, you know, because I, you know, they took care all the expenses when I got to Russia. Didn't have to pay a dime out of my pocket to go to St. Petersburg, Russia. So, you know, and they really, really, and in fact, that's what, I, I don't want to say this, but I got to say it. They asked me the question about that a long time ago, my favorite place to play. It was in St. Petersburg, Russia, because of the fact that how I was treated while I was there and um, a lot of love. In fact, they wanted me to come back there, but I just didn't want to travel back to Russia. That was a long flight, you know. So I had to tr transfer on, from Atlanta on a Airbus to um, Germany and from Germany to St. Petersburg. And uh, it was a long flight, but it was a good flight. And uh, I had protection, had two interpreters. So it was really great. So for people who don't know, how did you get the name Okinawa Slim? <laughs> that's a long story I'm not slim so much now but you know <laughs> but you know it's a long story you know I was in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania it started off as um, they called me Iceberg Slim when I was in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania before I joined the Marines the original Iceberg Slim Iceberg Slim <laughs> and they were saying that my composure was so like ice you know and um, when I played pool there I beat the number one money player course at that time in the pool hall my brother's a witness of that um then when i joined the marines um of course i went to okinawa in 1979 and um they had a pool tournament there um shilling rec center in kadena air force base um four months later they i went played in the pool tournament and i won that pool tournament and then next thing you know a newspaper archer came out okinawa slim keeps the pool circuit buzzing and at that time, I was really skinny. And you're going to hear about that when somebody calls in. One of the gentlemen that worked with me called in. I was really skinny, like a toothpick. And um, they called from that point on. They said, okay, I was slim. And then I kept winning and winning every month. 16 consecutive months. They had a 14.1 tournament. I won every month. 16 of them before I left the island. You know, and I was considered the number one pool player. Um... Okinawa, Japan, military, of course, you know, but yeah. Explain how difficult that is to win 16 consecutive months. Well, explain what the 14.1 is first. 
even you may know, but for those listeners. Oh yeah, fourteen point one is the term they use for straight pull. Um, you you start off breaking the balls, but you know, it's a safety break. You make sure there's a cue ball and two balls hit a rail, and it's continuous shooting. And you always leave the cue ball and the object ball on the table to break for your next rack. And the most balls I ran consecutively was 75 balls in my lifetime without missing. You know, break it. You re-rack, leave one out, and you use the other ball to break the rack out, make the out and break the rack out, and just keep shooting. 75 straight times. 75 straight shots, never missed for 75. That's the most balls I had in my career. Could have done more, but, you know, at that time, it didn't matter. I was winning. <laughs> Boy, they stopped playing you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's impressive. But, again, for 16 consecutive months, you were number one. I won 16 consecutive pool tournaments, yes, in Okinawa, Japan. From the time that I got on the island for my first tournament until I left in December of 1980. I mean, that's just amazing at that point. And how many people are we talking about in a tournament? Well, sometimes you're averaging somewhere around 14, 15 people um, per tournament. Some of them be more than that. And uh, we had like a grand finale and something. And we had like, like 20 people. And I wind up, really, it just... I just took advantage of the situation. There's times I was nervous now because I was thinking that I was going to lose, but I don't know. It just seemed like whatever was there, it was there. It was meant for me. Well, we always talk about um, it's a lot different than being a hunted than hunting. So once you get to the top, to stay on top, I don't think people, well, you can explain, you've been at that top for so long, how difficult that is. Yeah. You're always going to have people coming after you. And then it's just like, and I don't want to use this as an analogy, but sometimes when you're watching the Western movies and it's like the fastest draw, somebody's always after you and want to be better to you. Put a little notch on their belt. Yeah, make a name. Yeah, and that's exactly... Get get what they need to go off your name. And it's still like this today. Today. But I had stopped that because... What happened was sometimes you can get so good, then you become a hustler. I don't have anything to prove anymore, so I don't do that type of shooting and gambling because that it can hurt you. Yeah, I remember when I got hurt in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and from that day on, I have never gambled. It, it happened to me here in Atlanta, Georgia, too, by the way. I didn't get hurt, but I stopped gambling. So, you know, the thing is, somebody's always after your name. And, and there's been one incident where I had a game and I played – and the first thing came out, they beat Okinawa Slim. And that's exactly what people are gunning for you. So I don't have anything to prove anymore. I just do what I can to help others. So when we set up this pool challenge and um, my team wins, I can't yell that out. I beat <laughs> Okinawa Slim. What you trying to say? You built, you're building an excuse already. Oh, <laughs> oh you see how I do that? See that? He's going to get like one shot down against you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he did. One shot, one shot against you. We got a call on the line. Hello? Hello. Hi. Who do we have? This is J.P. Beatty. I have had the honor to uh, work with Mr. Okinawa Slim for a few years. <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to pitch in and say a couple of things uh, in honor of this man. Uh, I am a video producer. And I... Uh, 
met Slim back in 2014. We were uh, pitching a show called Ultimate Pool Sharks. And uh, I was looking for some hosts. And I was introduced to uh, Okinawa by uh, Mr. Bill Curtis, my accountant and business partner at the time. And let me tell you, from the time I met Slim, we talked a couple of times before uh, he jumped on board because he didn't know me from Adam Matt. But I didn't know anything about pool, but I knew how to produce TV shows. But uh, Slim jumped in and became our expert, uh, has led us down the road, uh, kept us on track. We've held uh, two big auditions, one here in Atlanta, where folks came from across the country to participate, with an, hoping for a chance to be on the show. And then we also held one up in uh, at Tennessee, up in Tunica, at the uh, Hollywood uh, Casino. And, and uh, Slim has been the cornerstone of making this thing go the way it's going. We're still pitching it to the networks now. But as I said, because I'm not a billion player, and, and I tell Slim all the time, I don't know anything about pool, except for when I was in high school, I cut class and go play, but that ended real quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when uh, folks want to talk billiards and want to know all the rules and I need to know things, Okinawa Slim is the man that I go to because uh, he's there. The other thing I want to see about Slim is that the persona and the image that he portrays, now I'm looking at him out here on, the, on, my, on my computer screen, he got on his vest. You know, he is a true professional. And one of the things that we seek to do with Ultimate Pool Sharks um, is to kind of change the image of pool. You know, pool is always, uh, for most folks, it's like the smoky pool room, hustling, and, you know, that kind of image. We want to let folks know that pool is enjoyed by probably more people than any other sport because people play at a professional level. They play in a pool hall. They have pool tables in their rooms. And it's not all about being a hustler and smoking in the pool room in dark environments. It's a family sport. And that's what we're hoping to portray with uh, this new TV show that's coming out that Mr. Snim is going to be the host on. So I just want to say to my brother Snim, Keep on rocking and rolling, and man, we're proud of you. Well, as long as my image stays up, as uh, long as I uphold my image, because <laughs> now I got this new company called Paul Malone, who's going to make sure that I'm dressed for the success when I go to the pool <laughs> hall. All right, man. All right, well, you hold it down, and uh, if you have any questions for me before I hang up, or because I'm just sitting here enjoying the show. Y'all got any questions? Yeah, I, I want you to repeat again the the, the, the show that you are producing, and I, I guess I, I don't know if I caught where it might air or how we be go, how we be able to go about you know finding okay. it once it let me, let me All right, great. It's called Ultimate Pool Sharks, and you, we have a website. You can go to it, ultimatepoolsharks.com. And the concept of the show is, you know, we we change the rules a little. We change rules a lot. Um, because first, when I uh, was talking to, uh, we have a room, had a room full of referees and officials, and Slim was part, of course, the management team. And um, I was telling them that, you know, what I'm looking to do is, I was saying, we're going to do a best two out of three. Well, then I was later told it's called a race to three. But, uh, but folks looked at me a little strange because they were saying, well, you know, we don't do race to threes, and billiards is normally, uh, what is Slim, a race to 10 or 12 or something higher? A race to seven or race to nine. Yeah, and I said, well, we can't do that because we are constricted. This is a television show, and we're constricted with time limits. So we can't sit there and shoot all day long to try to do a reality show in 
in an hour. You know, you basically have about 48 minutes of content time and 12 minutes of advertising, something like that. Um, but once the folks saw where we were coming from and saw what was happening, the other thing that we did, we I threw out the gender part of it. Now, it's no longer men just play against men and women play against women because it's not it's not a weightlifting sport. You know, it's a skill. It's hand-eye coordination. So whoever you name you would draw, that's who you play against. And what happened, we had our first tournament here in Atlanta, and folks loved it. I mean, some of the guys that were, quote, big-time pool players, they got their butts whipped <laughs> by people that just came in from off the street. So, you know, they registered, but that weren't even at their level because it was a race to three, which evened the table out quite a bit. And so then we, we, we picked eight people to be in our pilot. And that was all I had intended to do until I got Netflix or one of the sports networks to pick me up. But people loved it so much, they were calling us constantly saying, when's the next, when's the next, when's the next one? So we decided to hold another one, and that way we partnered with one of the casinos up in Tunica, and they loved it. And folks came to Tunica. And it's the same thing. So now folks say, when's the next, when's the next, when's the next one? And so we're going to probably shoot another one later on this summer. Because what I'm pushing at now is getting the networks to pick this show up. They haven't told me no, but they haven't written us that million-dollar check yet. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing that's stopping us right now, but there's a lot of interest in it. More importantly, there is a lot. Uh, there are a lot of pool players across the country that's loving the concept. And now that race to three that we initiated and started is starting to pick up at other tournaments across the country. Other folks started to do the race to three. So it, it, it's a lot of fun. But it's ultimatepoolsharks.com. All right. Excellent. Well, we appreciate that. All right. Well, you guys carry on. And Smith, keep on rocking and rolling, man. We'll catch up and talk. Okay. Thank you. I really appreciate it, JP. So once again, check out ultimatepoolsharks.com and uh, I, I, check I, out the tournament that uh, they're trying to, well, the I think if you, show if you, that they're trying to set up. If you remember back in the day when ABC had the worldwide of sports, pool was a uh, pool was a, a fixture of, you know, okay. uh, you know. so I never knew, any, I couldn't tell you right now any of the guys. I, I know there's what, I think the lady is called Black Widow. Well, not, uh, not not doing Wide World of Sport. Well, Wide World of Sport, when it first came out, then you had somebody like uh, Minnesota Fats, Jimmy Carries, UJ uh, Puckett, the old school players, uh, Willie Marsconi. That I, I, don't, I, don't, I won't say I remember any of them. <laughs> I, I, I remember. I do. I remember there was the, uh, and maybe that wasn't on Worldwide. Maybe it was early in the ESPN days. Yeah, that's ESPN. But, um, I think it was an Asian lady. Uh, uh, That's why I, Lee, I think the Black yeah. Widow. Black Widow, okay, mm-hmm. and then there was some, some other some other guys or whatever. But they used to show it all the time. You know, it would be that and bowling um, right. was another sport that, to you know, to your point, everybody does. You right. know, at some regardless point regardless of your skill or level. Skill, yeah, yeah. Right. You go to the pool mm-hmm. hall, you go to the bowling mm-hmm. alley. You know, so um, but now your sport, bowling, they're professionals. These women and men mm-hmm. make a pretty good penny. You know, mm-hmm. traveling and and, and, and and doing what they do. So um, I think everything kind of comes back around. I think there's now, again, a a, a, uh, 
Well, that's because not everybody can be six seven and play basketball or be physically run, built to run a four three do in football, football. Yeah, or even or soccer. Have, yeah. Or have hand eye coordination like a baseball or player, a soccer player, whatnot. Yeah. Right. So those type of sports, are, as you mentioned, crosses age, gender, uh, status, mm-hmm. to where anybody can play. And be and I, yeah. be fairly and good I, at. And I don't want to say it's not expensive because I know those pool sticks and the equipment can't cost <laughs> a good penny. But at least getting started, yeah. I need what eight quarters. That's two games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you realize you're good, then you move forward. You know. You know. Same thing. You don't have to necessarily have your you know your own ball until you realize you're good and then you want to invest in money or whatever. So you know those those things. The beginning part is. So I would to assume, that point, Slim, what got you? started in pool when was the first time you ever played uh, first time i picked up a pool cue my father brought us um these little graphite cues my brothers and i um at a really early age um i don't want to go back in a year but i was seven years old yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was, i was seven years old you told yourself already yeah, you already slipped. said in 79 you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, that's okay no no go back further than that but, you know <laughs> You know, and the thing is, my father got it started because he had this pool hall, and we would have we come and visit him on the weekends. He allowed us to play pool as long as we clean the place up. And it was Saturday mornings. Uh, we looked forward to Saturday mornings going to the pool hall. And my brother was better than I was. We saw players that come in there. One gentleman that came. It was really two of them. His name was, um, and I'm gonna mention their names. Henry Sweet. He was in U.S. Navy. He was chief petty officer in the Navy. And he would come to town, and he would stop by the pool hall. He would show us different things. And then Johnny Hope. Johnny Hope was a uh, football player, and he was really good. We always wanted to mimic him because he was just that good. And um, he felt my brother was better than I was, so he took my brother, if you will, on tour or to different pool halls to, of course, you know, gamble at that age. But <laughs> And I felt like, okay, if my brother can do it, I can do it too. But I didn't have any money. Ten years old, I played my first money game, 25 cents. Lost the first game. My brother was mad at me. He went and told my father. He said, Dad, Nate lost your money, 25 cents. <laughs> then turned around. That's my real name, by the way, Nate. And he says, okay. My dad came in the pool hall. He says, and we was on the back table. And the guy was 15 years old, and I was 10. And he said, you better win it back. And he stayed right there and watched me play. And that was my first time ever gambling. And I won that money back. And now he said, put your stick in the rack. You will never shoot again. And then my punishment, because you, you know my documentary, it says, "Go now you're going to work at the restaurant and you're going to be washing dishes or your punishment for gambling with my money. If it had been my own money, it would be one thing. But see, it becomes a habit if you're taking something that's not yours and you're trying to win extra. So... My first time started playing pool, I picked up a cue. It was a graphite cue. Well, it was really aluminum cue. And I was seven years old. Can you real quickly explain the differences in the cues and what makes <laughs> them sound better than others? Well, starting off, it was just a regular, it was better than a house cue because sometimes people don't really care about house cues where they damage the cues, the tips. We have to put glue on them, real hard glue, and you have to put them together. The wood itself was really old wood. Um, uh, if you get something back then, uh, aluminum cues, it was uh, having something that you're, it's personal. 
than something that, uh, where somebody come into the pool hall and pick a, a house cue off the wall. You have your own personal cue. The quality of the wood that I, uh, the cue that I have to this day, I mean, I've changed cues over a period of time. I have one cue that I use for television only, and uh, it's uh, ebony, made out of ebony wood, um, gold, 14 karat gold, and I use that strictly for television. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you how much that would cost. <laughs> you have a nickname for your cue? <laughs> I do, but I can't be telling that. You know, I, I do. <laughs> People know my secrets. Yeah, but I, we'll, that, we'll get it off air and we'll come back. And okay. It, but go ahead. Yeah, but that cue there, that cue there is worth um, $3,000 that I, I only use it strictly for television. The current cue that I'm shooting with now is a McDermott cue as well. And, um, that cue was donated to me by McDermott uh, in 2013 because it's an anniversary of my father. I received it in May of 2013. Uh, anniversary of my father. That's when my father passed to the other side. Um, Jim McDermott was the owner of McDermott Cue Manufacture. His original signature is on there. And that cue was presented to me by um, a couple of workers at McDermott. And I had Larry, his initials on there. Um, and um, I had Jamie, his initials on there, because Jamie is the one that he's a sales rep, but he was one of the ones that picked out the queue, you know, like that. And um, their initials are on the queue. So the family members of McDermott Queue Manufacturer, I have a queue with each one of them's initials on my queue. Uh, even though Jim McDermott is the founder, he's deceased. His wife is deceased. Her name is Marilyn. And then I have the son name is Jess, and the daughter name is Phyllis. And each one of them, I have their initials on my cues. And that goes back to the loyalty that you mentioned yes. with McDermott. Yes. To be able to have that yeah. kind of memory and have the initials and the names mm -hmm. on there. I still have those. That's a lot of memory. A lot of memories. For the Billiards 101, what's the, the difference in weight? If you go to, you mentioned just a house billiards, you'll see 15, 17, 19, so forth on the cue sticks. Now you asked me to become an instructor now, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the key things about what I try to um, share with others is that when you pick up a cue, a lot of time cues based on the weight, uh, 15, they're, they're considered ounces. Okay, 15 to 21 to 26 ounces based on the cues. Like some house cues you see, um, a standard cue is 58 inches long, inches in length. Um, from the tip to the bottom of the queue, that's standard. And some of them get the custom up to 60 inches. Um, the weight of a queue is based on your height and weight of what you chose to shoot with. Some of them get 21 ounce. With me, I shoot with a 19 ounce queue. And it's based on my, you know, the, my weight and it's based on how I feel. So, you know, like that. I have a, um, a Mass A queue, which is 26 ounces, which is heavy. And that's just do mass A's, you know, like that. So um, a lot of times the ounces of a cue definitely makes a difference. The weight of the cue definitely makes a difference when you're shooting. Because sometimes when people are shooting, they try to grip the cue tighter and don't really need to. So the heavier the cue, some people don't grip, grip it tight. The lighter the cue, some people grip it tight. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I guess, would you use different sizes based on what you're doing? If you're doing a trick shot or straight pool or nine ball well you know based on that yeah i'll just say it like this 
If I were to use a, a mass AQ, which is an average of 25, 24 to 25 ounces higher, I would I would just mass A balls if I, you chose to just do that because you can have several different cues based on what you want to do. I have a mass AQ. I have a jump cue where I can jump the ball a couple of feet in the air. Um, I have a, uh, a break cue so I don't damage my shooting cue. I break the ball with my break cue. And not only that, but I use my shooting cue. So there's a variety of shots that you can do with based on different cues that you use. Okay. So when you're helping youth and seniors, what's your main goal in helping those two groups out when it comes to billiards? Well, the most important thing to me is when I work with the youth starting off, I want to make sure they have a chance to understand and be patient with them because the most important thing, not just being patient with the youth, but you have to be patient with the seniors just as well. But I started off working with, um, uh, right now, um, at-risk kids, you know, like that. And, um, of course, I was on a television program for that. That haven't come out yet, but um, I was working with some um, some youth that really needed some support. And the most important thing I found was being patient. And I had a, I have a summer camp that I worked with them on, too, by the way. And my summer camps have been averaging 24 youth based on elementary, middle, and high school. You know, it, it, and so what I do is I make sure I'm patient with them. Because somebody asked me, they said, wow, you're really patient with the kids. I said, yeah, I am. Because you have to be patient in order to get them to understand and take the time out. And so I always start off with the basic of how to hold the cue, how to breathe. Um, they take the time and interact with each other. That's the most important thing to me is interaction. And when working with the seniors, you know, because we always have to move slow. But I don't like the, I don't like the seniors win because what happens is somebody <laughs> approached me the other day and said, well, you had this gentleman here who was uh, 74 years old and you beat him. How come you didn't let him win? I said, you don't do that. You just make sure that you, well, he won a game. <laughs> so I told him. <laughs> I told him that the other day. I said, yeah, he won a game, but I'm not just going to give anything to anybody. You earn it. Because now I'm belittling myself if I do that. My standards and expectations are pretty high, and I share with them. I said, well, you've got to understand, this representing, I'm a representative of a sport. And at the same time, if I start giving people something, then to put a stigma on my name, that's one thing. And the other thing is I'm representing a county when I go represent the Georgia State Games. And so that's another reason why I told him. You know, I said that to him. So if you're representing something or someone, you got to do your best. You're good. We don't need no participation trophies. I think that's one of the things that we see clips of, even some of the athletes when they have camps and the kids try and go a shot, throw up a shot, and they block it and send it out. You don't want kids or anyone to get in the habit of things that are being given to them. Right. Which starts the whole privilege mm -hmm. situation. But to your point, earning it. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that we uh, appreciate appreciate about you is that the accountability that you hold with people. Now, you have a documentary that's out, <laughs> and we're going to get to that in a second. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll discuss the documentary. This is DNA Sports Talk. It's 1100 AM. We'll be right back. WWE, Hapeville, AM 1100. 
The opinions expressed during the sponsored programs on this station are strictly those of the program hosts, guests, and callers and are not necessarily those of Beasley Broadcast Group, this station, its staff, other advertisers, or agencies. This is DNA Sports Talk. This is Ace of the A in DNA. Check us out each and every Monday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WWE AM 1100 or DNASportsTalk.com. If you're more than a Falcons, Hawks, and Braves fan, check out the latest and greatest in sports and news on MLB, PGA, NASCAR, WNBA, NBA, NFL, and NCAA News. Are you tired of eating the same thing every week? Then wake up your taste buds and go to the best Nolan style food in Atlanta. Copeland's of New Orleans in Atlanta has the best Cajun-style food, specializing in seafood. The Jazz Brunch on Sunday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. is the best of both worlds. If you're a sports fan, they have several TVs and a great bar to watch your favorite team. Just be careful if the Saints are playing. Tell them DNA Sports Talk sent you. That's Copeland's of New Orleans in Atlanta, 3101 Carl Parkway, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Enjoy food and life. Jackie Robinson. When you hear that name, you automatically think of strength and courage. You think of someone who broke down barriers. It's time to add another name to those qualities. Cicero Murphy. Haroling from New York, he is the only black American world title winner and Hall of Fame inductee into the Professional Billets Hall of Fame. Did he endure the same treatment as Robinson? What motivated him to get to the top of a Caucasian-dominated sport and stay there? Pick up a copy of the book, Big City Nights, the biography of the legendary Cicero Murphy. It is beautifully written by his grandson, Tyreek Murphy, recounting what made his grandfather a historic man. You can go to Amazon and get a copy of the book for your Kindle, or in paperback form. Make sure you go and read about the billiards Jackie Robinson, Big City Nights, the biography of Cicero Murphy. Hey, I'm Murphinetti. You can say Murphinetti Collection is the newest comfortable, luxurious, and trendy exclusive fashion line that fits its diverse clientele. From the music industry, to the sports world, to the judicial system, to the political world, <laughs> to the average everyday professional, Murfinetti Collection is the new way of life. www.murfinettifashions.mybigcommerce.com. Once again, you can shop Murfinetti Collections at murfinettifashions.mybigcommerce.com. And now, back to DNA Sports Talk with Don Stinson and Asa Brown on WWWE 1100 AM. All right. Hello, welcome back to DNA Sports Talk. This is Don the D and DNA. This is Asa the A and DNA. We're bringing the facts about sports. You don't agree? Say so. Once again, 404-603-8770 is the number to call in. Once again, 404-603-8770. We're also live on Periscope. As well as Facebook, uh, we still have uh, the incomparable Okinawa Slim still sitting in with us. You still going to good? Oh yeah, I love this show. You can have <laughs> me back every time you're on air. I love the show because of the fact that how you all present yourself, how you carry yourself, you know, and the people gravitate to you. So you know, good program to be a part of. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Before we went to break, the documentary is out. It's been out for a little while. Please explain to everybody. 
what it is and the process that went into it. Well, it started. We closed the pool hall down. Actually, um, the place called Kennesaw Billiards, the owner of Kennesaw Billiards, allowed us to use the facility to film the documentary there. Um, the documentary is about 30 minutes and 23 seconds long, and it's the life of Okinawa Slim moving forward. Um, and it was distributed worldwide. I've had so many feed, so much feedback from the documentary. Um, within almost a year and a half time, at over 20, 24,000 views on it. And um, once again, it's a this talks about the life of Okinawa Slim, how I got started, and how where I'm at right now in my life, in my journey. What's one thing in there you want people to get from the documentary? Take time out for others. No gambling. Uh, <laughs> no gambling. No, dealing with the youth. No, seriously, because here's the thing. When I started off as a youth, I was gambling. And it sends the wrong message. And that's what I, I stated. It's a family sport. And you want to try and interact together. And um, they have, when we talk about drug awareness, um, I want... And I said that I hope that I can be the voice for the youth, which I am. So some of the role model people don't take time out as role models as pool players. And it's a true story. Some don't take time out to help the youth or to help the seniors. They're all about themselves. And that's something that I always believe in. I always want to do. Um, I want you to be, like I said before in the documentary, I don't do any cursing. I don't do any drugs. I don't do any smoking cigarettes. But And I don't do any hustling anymore either because I've seen a lot of people get hurt. And I don't want the youth to start off that way. You know, so if I had an opportunity, like I said in the, in the documentary, to use my voice, I would use my voice to, to let the youth know, don't be hustling anybody because you can get hurt. I don't care how good you are. Don't. And um, stay away from anything that's negative. Um, and always, always take time out to help each other. Because if I told you a little bit about my um, my summer camp, with working with the youth, you'll always, always see a pair together. Whether it's male or female, you're gonna always see a pair together. And it's never with somebody that they know. I want you to interact and build your self-esteem and self-awareness with somebody that you don't know. And that works out really good. And it's worked out for four years, summer camp. Working with you. Excellent. So, again, what's the name of the documentary and how can people find it? Well, uh, number one, it's on YouTube. Number two, it's on Vimeo. And it's called The Legend. The Billiard Legend. The Legend of Okinawa Slim. The Legend of Okinawa Slim. There you go. So, look for it on YouTube and uh, share your comments on that. So, I got to ask you, is there anyone or two persons that you wish you would have had a chance to play against or play with? Huh. I started thinking about it when you start naming names when we were talking about Wild World of Sports and the people that were on there originally. Well, you want to know, truthfully, I want to, I kind of wish that being that Cicero Murphy is in the Hall of Fame now, I wish I had the opportunity to play against him. I wish I did. 
I didn't know him directly, but my father knew him. He talked about him a lot. And that was one. Because I've had an opportunity to play against Minnesota Fat and Willie Moscone, you know, and Jimmy Karras. You know, um, I mean, I kind of looked up to, and I had a chance to play against my father. So, you know, and he realized I was good. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you able to beat your dad? I sure did. Starting <laughs> off, I didn't. But I was persistent. And, and then, you know, and we started off playing six ball, too. That's when you have six balls on the table, one through six. Easy. And that's how I learned, you know, playing six ball. They don't play the six ball now. They play nine ball now. Six ball is a fast game. And I uh, started off that and played against him and beat him. Beat my brother. Beat a lot of people coming up. So you hear that, Tyreek? You would have wanted your, your play against your granddad. <laughs> so you know what that means then, right? I got to play Tyreek. Uh, Tyreek, hey. Murphy Natty. Murphy Natty. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> the challenge has been initiated there. Um, yeah. But yeah. You, you mentioned that your dad had a pool hall and that's where you grew up. During those times, could any, would black and white be in there or was it still segregated at that time? It was still segregated except for my father, with the business itself, you know, we were, I'm going to have to throw his name out there, his business name. It was Lay's Potato Chip. Um, but, and Lay's Potato Chip, was this, the, the driver had his son with him, and he would come by on Saturdays and stock our chips up. And he had a son there. His name was Mark. Never forget that. And he brought him in, and we had the chance to play a game like that. He couldn't play, but we... We just had fun, and he, his dad liked that. And his dad left him there. True story. An all-black environment. His dad left him there because he trusts my father. And while he go made some deliveries and came back, and we encouraged. Another can we begged? We regularly begged the father to let his son stay there and play with us, and he did. So that was the only time. But my father was the kind of person. He didn't see any colors. He was there to help everybody. And of course, you know he had that restaurant too. People would come to his restaurant. So we were like who's who when we were growing up in our community. Everybody knew the last name, and everybody knew you. If you got in trouble, everybody knew it. <laughs> well, that definitely has changed a lot over the years. But, yeah. You know, without telling my age, that's how I grew up. <laughs> you get in trouble around the corner, you got in trouble when you got home. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that Double. Just, right. <laughs> Double punishment. <laughs> um, today, of course, 224 a lot has um, gone on with the um, Kobe farewell. They had his memorial service at Staples Center to the gay. And a lot of, after watching that, a lot of the things that you do and how impressionable you were with youth, we saw that in Kobe Bryant and what he tried to do after basketball. Your thoughts on that? Well, I have to, first of all, give the condolences to the family. And... Um, Realistically, my father always said that Kobe Bryant was a relative of ours. So it had been passed on. And um, you think about how unique this interview is today. 224. Think about it. That's the number eight. Two and 24. Six, seven, eight. So this is a tribute within itself of being here this day with you all. DNA Sports Talk Show on 224. 
and a lot of love and support to the Bryant family throughout the world. And I think that uh, with Kobe, because he, he cared, he truly did care. At starting off, people used to always say he was selfish, but he had a vision. And that vision almost came to reality had he still been around, but he still believed in helping with the youth. To this day, and I just truly hope that whomever that's taking care of his foundation will see the same thing he saw and use it the right way to help others and give back to the community because we still need that. We still need those mentors out there to help these youth out because you don't know what they're going to be doing tomorrow because some of them really don't care. They care about themselves. And the minute I start being selfish and care about myself and not taking being a mentor for some of the youth, it's time for me to move on. And it says it's best from Atlantic Star when they came out with that song, if your heart is not in it, it's time to let go. <laughs> there we go. Greg, find that, that track. <laughs> I will start singing it, but Play. you don't hear me sing Play that going your on out. heart is in it. <laughs> All right, but, uh, but no, seriously, in watching Gino Ariyama's speech, that's one of the things that he talked about, UConn's head coach, uh, 11 titles, was that going forward, we don't know how many people that Kobe will reach because of having seen him be a mentor to the, the kids that he would teach, not only his daughter, but others, that someone else will see that and mentor another person, not just a kid, but mainly the children he was speaking about, and that that effect would just be a rippling effect to go forward. And I also that and Michael Jordan's speech, you don't realize how much Kobe would call or text and Jordan talking about even at two o'clock in the morning, trying to gain knowledge, trying to understand. And most of the time later in the career, it was for the kids. How do I get, and of course I all were laughing about, you know, they're asking, well, how old are the kids you're working with, 12? Well, why are you trying to teach them how to not just stay in front of the person that they're guarding that you're thinking 12 year olds, but how do they rotate on defense? How do you slide down to the baseline? How do you know when to take a shot, when to pass? So those are the kind of things that he inquired about on a constant basis, always trying to gain knowledge, not just in basketball, but also in life and being a father. And I think that's the thing that came from all of this was he was devoted to his family no matter the cost and I think that's the thing that we talked about it before when it first happened is the saddest part is because the daughter was so young is that you know he kind of had done enough for his lifetime but even his wife Vanessa who was extremely strong today I don't get to see her get her license she said I, you know i won't see her drive a car i won't that's get to see her that, walk her down the aisle and see her dad you know walk her down the aisle. those are the the moments that i won't get because she's so young yes yeah and check we talked about it you know on our show the monday after the, the tragic accident and those are the things you know to your point you were saying kobe still 41 is young yeah, halfway there but he able to check off boxes, right? So, you know, again, what we said, if you go back and watch the show, you know, at 12, what boxes has she checked off? 
He hasn't checked off learning to drive at 15. Hasn't checked off sweet 16 prom. Hasn't checked off graduation. Going to UConn, but, getting you know, that. Well, you knew she was going to go there, but. You know, going, going to college. Just, just going to college. Sending her off so, and yeah, start yeah. crying those, about those, that. Those are the things <laughs> that she hasn't been able to, uh, you know, being so young, you don't get to those boxes. Those are simple boxes. You know, we think back about our years from 12 to 17, 12 to 18, those are those are uh, 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 monuments in our lives. You know what I mean? I remember when I got my first car. I remember when <laughs> yeah. I drove. I remember, you know, I remember senior year and those kind of things. So she, you know, unfortunately those things, um, uh, you know, she doesn't get the experience. And then to Vanessa Bryant, she has a younger, a younger, a, young, a, a, a baby. A baby. <laughs> but, you know, as they go through life, this will always be a reminder when hopefully she's able to check those boxes off. You're going to always wonder about, you know, Gigi, you know what I mean? And, you know, but then, and then also then be like, well, Kobe's not there. Her father's not there to, 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 to see that. So the tragic it's, it's tragic all the way. And that's not just for them. This what seven, seven other, other, fa other families that, Tell the people from other families. families that are going through similar or the exact same thing. You know, one family lost their whole family. You know, basically yeah. the husband, the wife, and the child. So that's so that left the brother and sister. I want to say from that family. You know, that's so um, 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 you know, it's it's tragic all the way all the way around. But you know, the positive is like I, I think we talked about this before. Just to recap, the positive is though there is so out there the stigma about about black men. And you know we don't care. We don't have um, um, uh, heartfelt for one another. You know things of that nature. You know, like anything else, the negative stuff is always, always put to the forefront. You know, some of those things now, when people want to bring that up, I, I, that's we have the outpour. You know, of raw feelings that. Uh, the NBA players, guys who, you know, obviously knew Kobe, friends of Kobe's, the Shaqs and, you know, um, the Kyrie. So it, it's a it's a wide range of wide range age that he touches well, you know. Um, and you know, those guys having having um true emotions about losing a friend, you know, losing a mentor, losing losing a uh uh icon, a hero to them, you know, some of the younger guys, you know, Kobe was their Jordan, so you know losing that. But then on the flip side, also really seeing these 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 gentlemen, you know, bring their daughters out, bring their sons out, you know, showing individuals that you know, here's our family, our families are here too. You know, these are things that, for whatever reason, the media doesn't won't won't and I, doesn't won't hasn't showed. You, know you know what started, what helped with some of that, and it goes back to. Well, Curry and his wife were there when uh, Riley took over the press conference during the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she, she became bigger than him yeah, 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 during yeah, no particular yeah, yeah. finals. Yeah, but yeah. for her to be there and be that close shows, to your point, the amount of respect and love that he had for his family and his daughters. Mm -hmm. And you saw all of the... I mean, let's be honest. It was probably... 50% of the U.S. economy in Staples Center today. Oh, yeah, when you yeah, look yeah, at the, yeah. the, the people who were there, you look at the not just the money, but the influence yeah. of the amount of people that were there goes to show how Kobe had become an ambassador for 
the NBA and especially the WNBA to have that many women speak Diana Taurasi. I can't remember the young lady who's at Stanford who had to go to get ready for a game. You know, it goes to show, and I still am a firm believer that it's because of him that the WNBA were to get the the adjustments they needed for the amount of money that they can make now, some of the benefits, stop having to fly coach. Well, yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, little things like and that. Like we always said, uh, behind the scenes, yeah. mm-hmm. he was a true ambassador for women in the WNBA because he knew at some point his daughter was going to be there. Yeah. And I think not only him, but her as well. Yeah. The fact that she knew from a be- beginning and early stages, I want to play basketball. I want to be like my dad. And as we all know, be better than my dad. I want to go to UConn. I want to go to the WNBA. I want to take over. Even to the point where I can't remember who it was. Somebody had mentioned that she had always said, I want to go to UConn. So she had went up to Oregon and they wanted to take a pictures. And she was like, no, nah, I'm good. So it's like, look, I'm loyal to UConn. That's where I'm going. It's cool meeting all you, but I'm not taking a picture yeah, with yeah, you. Right. That that mentality yeah, already. Ain't no green, yellow. Right. Ain't gonna Photoshop me. Yeah. Right at that mm-hmm. point, but showing just how the influence that he, his daughter, and the others have had on everyone involved. Yeah, Slim. You know that stigma you were talking about. You know, having this conversation is really emotional because I followed Kobe ever since he left high school. And uh, sometimes they get really emotional because the last name is Bryant. And they talk about the stigma and what was left behind. My father was a, was a role model because my mom passed away when I was three years old. And my father made sure that we were taken care of all the way. He worked hard and he never gave up. So, you know, now it's the opposite with Vanessa. She's got to raise the kids. But she has support, just like we all have support. But we have to ask for it, too. Yes, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's again, we talked about it. Just, you know, life, life has order, right? Granted, it may not always be fair, things of that nature. But for the most part, it has order. And this, this particular incident just kind of throws it all out of order. So you got parents burying their 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 son and their grandson. Mm-hmm. You got a spouse burying burying you know burying their spouse and you know the 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 flame of their their relationship. And you got you know children that are never going to know what you know their parents. Right. They're going to they're going to know about him through third party basically. You know. Right what you see on TV, what people tell you, whatever, but that's one thing and it's something totally different when, you know, you kind of can grow up and, li- and live it or whatever. So, or people, people might, may say, oh, you remind me of your dad. You know what I mean? Those type yeah. of things or whatever. So, um, you know, so it's just, when you look at it, it's just tragic on on right. on every level. Um, but again, at the same time, like I said, I, I'm at the point in my life where I try to find more positive than negative. And even right. in, this, in this scenario, um, you know what's the positive you can take from it? Like I said, you can. There's support. You know, people do care about you. Um, you know, uh, what you do, what you do in the past has an effect on the future. You know what I mean? So, you know, right. he's touched so many people. So you can see the outpour of love that they've they, that they have from. You know, a lot of them 
were some people were able to say it before he passed. Some people, re, you know, regret some things. But yeah. those are lessons learned too. Right. You Absolutely. know what I mean? So you know, we, we always say, can you give the flowers before, you know, why people can still smell it? Right. So you know, just a, a, a lot, a lot of different things. Um, you know, you can you can take and apply to your to your um, to your, your your current life and your current situation from Kobe in this, in this instance. And you, I think the All Star Weekend. The game played a lot of, you know, people saying this is the best All-Star in years. You know, granted, the format worked out in different. Shout out think, to the TBT for adding yeah, yeah, for, Well, for Chris Paul, for knowing about the TBT tournament and using that Elam ending to add to the end of the game where after uh, eight minutes, uh, they were going to add 24 points to whoever had the highest score at that point. And then... You know, clock is off at that point. Whoever gets to that magic number, then that's who's the winner yeah. of it. But the guys played hard. I think they played hard, obviously, in honor of Kobe because you realize Who that takes uh, offensive fouls? I mean, well, Kyle Lowry does it, but to to that extent, it's yeah. still an all-star game. game but yeah, right. yeah, yeah, So At that and, level. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't a good, good move by the NBA by naming the MVP Be, the Kobe Bryant. Right. So now you're going to have guys from now on that's going to actually to, to win this award. You're going to have to show, you got some, to show sort, proof, right? some, some sort of mama mentality doing the game to get that, you know. And um, shout out to Kawhi Leonard for winning that yeah. particular one. Dropped 30 points. What, eight three-pointers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he, yeah he, was on fire. he was on fire in the first, first half. half right. <laughs> he was making them threes like free throws. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, but you know, overall the, the the weekend the weekend was great. I don't I scratched my head at um at a uh, what's the coach for uh, Toronto Scott um, Nurse not not playing our boy Trey not playing Trey down down the uh down down the down the stretch down the stretch or whatever. Now to his defense, but he, he could have still went offense defense. You know what yeah, I mean? Kept but put Larry on defense. But, but, I, but I, I, I also understand. I can understand maybe not having uh, Trey in there because he's a liability on the defensive, defensive side. Yeah. Once you realize. What but they, he's electric. I.e., yeah. what happened Saturday night against Dallas yeah. to where they were down. He brought them back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. I, I, but I just, not to him play, not for him not to play any he minutes was, down the stretch. Yeah. It's, it's a head scratcher. But I could understand maybe initially why, you know, he didn't do it. But I would have put him in for offense because uh, you yeah, were yeah. down at that point. I said, yeah, yeah, you go back and forth. If you, you know. And since, the fans voted. So you want to showcase the people that the fans have now, voted for. Now, on the flip side, you know a little bias. He's going to keep his guy in there. Oh, you're you know, right. You know, yeah, know what I mean? So, you know, like that's, that's, but, that's, but that's nothing new. But there's also another bias of I don't want my player to get hurt because we they had won, what, 13 yeah, or 14? Yeah, so it so would have been yeah. fine if you set him down, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. To so, rest him like, hey, yeah. we still Got something to, something to shoot for. for. Even now, the, the wide open now since Philadelphia – Ben look, Simmons look, is gone out. for like the remainder of the season. Probably, yeah. And so that's going to change probably some seedings right now. you got the score on um, Hawks in Philly right now, real quick, last, since we're talking about when it. When I glanced at last, it was like 11-19 Sixers, but that was a minute ago. 69-55, oh, third quarter. A minute, minute ago. Sixers. Sixers are up. 69 what? 55. Still, so, still in striking distance. We'll see. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, now, you know, the two best teams, which are still the two best teams in the East, was Boston and Milwaukee. But now you have some seeding issues that might make that one of those series for for Toronto a lot easier. Because I don't think and might be easy in the first round with uh, the Nets 
not having Kyrie going yeah, for yeah, exactly. So yeah, so they so we'll instead be, of maybe a six game series, five, five, actually maybe a sweep. Should be a sweep. Should be a sweep. Should be a sweep. That's what you want to aim for. Get that extra rest, and you know now that changes the dynamics on how you know depending on where you see to that. But Boston and for you to get for them to gear up for either Boston or or uh, Milwaukee. Um, and congratulations to Milwaukee, first team to clinch a playoff berth uh, yesterday. Month, yesterday, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's early. They're yeah, on pace early. to break the Warriors seventy-three and nine, or tie it at this tie point. at this point. Tie, but that's not going to happen. I mean, they'd have to go twenty-five and one. It's not going to happen the it's, rest it's, of the season. There's no need for them to do that. You know what I mean? So you go with two weeks to go. They so do have the, gonna be rested. They do have the record for the fastest uh to playoff to clinch a playoff spot. spot. Yeah. yeah. Fastest ever. But they're not I don't I out the Warriors weren't trying to break that record. They just happened to finish the first half of what was like forty and two. You know what I mean? So it, it was some, yeah. It, 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 it everything happens yeah, every time. Yeah. And the closer it gets to the end, of course, knowing Bud he won't do he will do rest in stages. Yeah. He won't do a complete load management because he still wants his players to have game he has, speed he, and everything. He but he'll rest them maybe longer in the third, but they will still so play. Depending on how the game but I don't play in the fourth. You know, yeah, something like but I mean, that. he has something. play. He has something to reach back from because you got to remember he won a sixty game season here in Atlanta. Yeah. With a similar roster. When you start looking at the roster now, I'm not now nobody on our roster is compared Could to the Greek free. But you take but you take him off the roster. It's a lot of e- great players. E- everybody else on that this current Milwaukee roster is similar to the roster that Atlanta had on that sixty win season. So um I think the difference is that now they they address that. If the injuries didn't happen, I would have said Atlanta was a little bit deeper that sixty win team than this, than this Milwaukee, Milwaukee team. team is. Um, you know, you look at the whole roster, but injuries derailed the oh, Hawks yeah. down the road. Thank you, NYPD. And then thank you, uh, Deladova. You know what I mean? So, um, but he has something to grasp back and to, and to reflect on, one, how to end the season, how to keep guys fresh. I think that might have been a problem, too, with that with that team, with the Hawks here. And it was- Their first time, they continued to play hard all the way through. Um, and to go through a grueling January where you go 17 and 0, 0 yeah. and didn't lose a game the entire time and still be able to come out of the All-Star break in February and still continue to play well. But, but the All-Star that season was earlier than this season. The All-Star was late this year. What, they got 25 games left? No, so, it's the same. It was, about to, it was the same mm-hmm. for that season too? Okay, yep. I thought it was earlier. Well, nor- normally they would have, by the All-Star break, they would have played like maybe 50 games. Yeah, but at this point it was like fifty seven, fifty eight. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought the All Star was at the same point. But they played they played more regular they, season regular they, season games before the All Star break. Yeah, I was saying. So the season's shorter after, after the break. break. Yeah, yeah. Um, going back to All Star, I feel bad for the slam dunk competition because I think from here on out, not. A, because Eric Gordon didn't win and got cheated, I understand how you get 50s, you know, five straight times, then your last one, you get a 47. We saw wait, John wait. Morant say idea. that, you know, he, that's why he didn't want to participate in it because it's, it is subjective. However, of course, I would make it just across the board. You got to have Dominique, Vince Carter now, Dr. J, 
uh, only pre- Jordan. Only, and, um, only previous champion. Nate, uh, you had to have Nate at Robinson. least been in the dunk contest. Nate Robinson. Yeah. You have to have been in there. Yeah. Because even the dunk that Dwight did, where he went spread eagle and dunk, didn't get appreciated. So you and, saw it. Yeah. See, right. If you were a dunker, you can appreciate it. But they just saw it as, oh, he just went up and dunked the ball. That That's I mean, happened every time yeah. Dwight Howard's been in the dunk contest. Yeah, like, he plus, does something and... It's, you and you think you it look it doesn't look all that great, but then you look at the replay like oh he actually but they had like the one with the sticker replay yeah but they had time to look at the replay but I don't think a Chadwick Bozeman can understand that. Now I'll give the other ones who played a little bit more credit, but him no I mean you just a fan like oh okay yeah so maybe not the same judges every year but why well, not well, because it, well, you, you celebrate you're celebrating the ones who've been in past dunk competitions no like well, Dominique you, like Dr. J but like pro- Nate Robinson but, like Vince Carter but the problem with that is though then I know I know exactly what those judges are looking for and how they score so I don't have I don't have a problem in having past not but that's consistency well no I, I just, so I just, if I got consistency if I know how judges are going to score well, and I know the consistency then I can now adjust my dunks to say I know I have to do this I still or that. I still I rather I rather the judges have been have participated in the dunk contest and maybe how many are there six five five so two of them have to be champions and then the other three have to have participated in and then you can't do it no more than two years in a row and so that third year, you switch it around, you know, you change it up or whatever, and you have, again, two champions and then three people who participated in. And that way you keep fresh eyes, you don't get stale, and, you know, and then you, you still avoid the situation like happened to and Wade, you Wade, you know what I mean? you can't be, for Wade, you can't be a judge if you've played with that person or the same team. Yeah, or the same, that's what I'm saying, all part of the organization. So that way, so, so that way, if someone, so in your in that case, with if you keep the same judges, if I have a guy from the from the Atlanta Hawks, that's well, now, yeah, then I would then excuse him. I, from I, got, I can't, right. I can't have Dominique. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I so, so you, him. so when you say two champions, two previous champions, and three contenders, previous contenders from the dunk contest, then that that. You can then be able to avoid having someone from the same organization judging a guy. I you wouldn't know. even have a problem but, if it was a person who competed last year. I wouldn't have a problem if Zach Levine, who was in yeah. it, was a judge, yeah. even though he's currently playing. Yeah, because that's I mean, a peer, because a peer can understand yeah, yeah. the difference. What do you think of having uh, bringing back having tenths of a point? Because I think there was no, I mean, there were all these 50s, but. No way to break the tie. Yeah, there was no way to like kind of differentiate like, okay, what's a 49 and what's a 50? Or yeah. I, maybe I'll give them a 9.5 for that. So in, I would so, do so, a tenth of a So incorporate some uh, diving, incorporate some diving rules. You know how they, when they score the divers, you be like, so the normal eye, we like, that's an eight across the board. And they're like, well, that's seven, nine. It's a seven, seven because you didn't tuck your feet right, you know, or. They were splash. I mean, because they were been splash. They were kind of. I mean, in even in past contests, they've done it to where they'll penalize somebody for missing because they they didn't make it on the first try. Right. right. But then on the second try, they make it. It's still a great dunk. They'll give them a nine. Yeah. But it's it might be something we've never seen before. I mean, how do you explain Aragorn jumping over Taco Fall? That's seven foot that, five. Right. That an exceptional one. The other thing I don't want to say, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about somebody 20 feet tall. You yeah, deserve yeah, to win. Yeah, I don't yeah, care yeah, who yeah, you are. Yeah. The other thing is, after you've done the, the rounds, you have a dunk off. 
then the second time you do a dunk off that's it then you do the cumulative of whoever had the most points throughout don't keep going to a third one where he has to figure out okay i've i've practiced five yeah well they, they had they, they, they each one? had 50s the all the all all the way to the last dunk right no i think he had a 49 in the first the first dunk or something like that that last dunk oh boy should have won um gordon gordon i mean another thing jackson kept doing the same dunk something going between similar, the legs something similar it was too. the same one but when you jump over somebody seven six i don't care if you oh brushed up against them or whatever you cleared him i don't think people understand that mm-hmm. it's a difference in running uh a hundred yard dash and then a hundred yard dash with hurdles yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still a hundred yards, but yeah. you've created an obstacle that's not normal. Yeah, yeah. that you have to do. Have to clear. I got that you. you have to clear, and he cleared somebody seven feet five. Yeah, that's not easy. Well, I give, I give, I give props to Taco because most people flinch. You, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna cross over me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, and then the rising stars. It was good to see Luca versus Trey and John ja Morant and Zion. Put yeah. on an absolute a, show. The league's in good hands with, it's the, in young, good with hands. the young boys. Right. Uh, we're going to take a break. We come back. We got more to discuss. This is DNA Sports Talk. It's 1100 AM. Be right back. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder that no matter the time of the day and no matter what day of the week, East Coast, West Coast, all points in between, we are always on. So go to your app store and download the Real 1100 app and listen wherever and whenever. The Real, Real, Real. Are you tired of eating the same thing every week? Then wake up your taste buds and go to the best Nolan-style food in Atlanta. Copeland's of New Orleans in Atlanta has the best Cajun-style food, specializing in seafood. The Jazz Brunch on Sunday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. is the best of both worlds. If you're a sports fan, they have several TVs and a great bar to watch your favorite team. Just be careful if the Saints are playing. Tell them DNA Sports Talk sent you. That's Copeland's of New Orleans in Atlanta. 3101 Carl Parkway, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Enjoy food and life. Jackie Robinson. When you hear that name, you automatically think of strength and courage. You think of someone who broke down barriers. It's time to add another name to those qualities. Cicero Murphy. Haroling from New York, he is the only black American world title winner and Hall of Fame inductee into the Professional Billets Hall of Fame. Did he endure the same treatment as Robinson? What motivated him to get to the top of a Caucasian-dominated sport and stay there? Pick up a copy of the book, Big City Nights, the biography of the legendary Cicero Murphy. It is beautifully written by his grandson, Tyreek Murphy, recounting what made his grandfather a historic man. You can go to Amazon and get a copy of the book for your Kindle or in paperback form. Make sure you go and read about the billiards Jackie Robinson, Big City Nights, the biography of Cicero Murphy. Hey, I'm Murfinetti. You can say Murfinetti Collection is the newest, comfortable, luxurious, and trendy exclusive fashion line that fits its diverse clientele. From the music industry, to the sports world, to the judicial system, to the political world, <laughs> to the average everyday professional, Murfinetti Collection is the new way of life. www. 
MurfinettiFashions.MyBigCommerce.com. Once again, you can shop Murfinetti Collections at MurfinettiFashions.MyBigCommerce.com. And now back to DNA Sports Talk with Don Stinson and Asa Brown on WWWE 1100 AM. Hello, welcome back to DNA Sports Talk. We're bringing the facts about sports. You don't agree? Say so. 404-603-8770 is the number to call in. Also live on Periscope as well as Facebook. The legendary Okinawa Slam is still here in the building. I'm still here. <laughs> I ain't going nowhere. How about this great show? <laughs> But uh, I, go ahead. I want to give a shout-out, because we missed this. I want to give out a shout-out to my, my man, um, Tiger Woods, for what he did for Kobe, 24-8. He, during the Genesis Open, he hit a 24-foot, 8-inch birdie celebrating Kobe. I want to give that out, okay? Who, who won the Genesis Open? Okay. Okay. I don't know why you got to start it, Slim. Slim, why you got to start it? Why you got to start it, Slim? Why? 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 Why you get them started? Who won the Australian Open this year for tennis for women? Okay. He's going that route. I'm not even even What's the point of this? For the hater to get his gloat on. The, I'm not the, the number one I'm Tiger Serena hater <laughs> in the building. Me? Yes, oh. you. You. Oh, you. I. Well, then he should know who actually won those events. Right? <laughs> did yep. Serena win Australian Open? Oh, no. but she didn't. But who did? <laughs> if you're if you're the hater, <laughs> you're supposed to know who won. And they're supposed to be better than Serena, or that person's supposed to be better than Tiger. I'm just saying. Well, we're not worrying about Tiger. <laughs> Tiger got what? Three more, three more uh, majors to win now. Well, tie, right? He's at 16 right now. Yeah. So he got three more to tie, right? Yeah. So he going no, one, two. two. Tie majors? I'm talking about Serena. I mean, uh, Serena? Tie, no, no, Serena needs need one. No, Tiger needs three. Yeah. To tie. No, two. Two. Just two to tie. Yeah. And he's uh, picked to win. Uh, he's picked to win. Uh, he's picked to win all the time. But he's picked to win. Call him. Another green jacket. <laughs> we got to call on the phone. Hello? Yo, you hear me okay? Yes. Who do we have? This is Eric. How you doing, Eric? What's going on, Chief? Hey. I'm in, I'm in a perpetual state of struggle. That's not the reason I called, though. <laughs> so, I haven't talked to y'all since before the Super Bowl, and I don't want to get too far off your topic of the night, but I would like to know, did you guys spend any time watching this boxing match? Between Fury and um, yes, sir. Yes, Wilder. we did. Yes, that was sir. A, well. First of all, who did you pick before the fight? Be honest. I picked Fury, but it wasn't because I thought he was gonna win. I just, I just rolled the dice on him. You know, I thought, I thought if a, I thought that I hadn't seen either one of them box. So I'll be honest, okay. Not even in clips, but I thought. If this dude is six foot nine and that flabby and can move around the ring, he might be able to he might be able to outbox him, and maybe maybe he maybe he'll get a win on him just on points. 
but uh, he was laying on the dude. You saw the fight? Did you yeah, see? Yeah, it? I, 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 I seen the fight. So I'm I a, had Fury. Go ahead. I let no, you go no, first. I had Wilder winning, and I had Wilder. I had. I'm gonna back up and say this. I had Wilder. But he laying on him. Yeah, but I neither one of these guys, in my opinion, I, I always say this about Wilder. I thought Wilder is a is a one hitter quitter, and not a boxer. And you get anybody that can get in there and, and box with him that he was easily beatable. But I didn't think Fury was the guy that can box. And Fury didn't box in this match. It was truly a, a, a slugfest. And Fury... No, hit, it was Fury. a slugfest on one uh, side. Well, I mean... I'm going to that point, too. But I mean, Fury, Fury came in, brought the fight to him. Don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything that way. But he also laid on him. He also gave him a, few rap, a lot of rabbit punches in the back of the head. It wasn't as if this was... Yeah, so you a, want that, that whole technical poorly. thing and everything? No, I just, now. I no, I'm just saying, I don't. You saw how many punches were thrown and how you many know, were landed. No, granted, so, I'm, I'm not taking anything from Fury. What I'm saying is, I tell you what, I I, I put money on right now. Fury probably wind up fighting Joshua, and even though Joshua got knocked out by the the heavyweight Mexican, yeah. you know, the first time or whatever, because he didn't take it seriously. I I believe Joshua is going to beat Fury. That's I I don't think Fury's that good. Now I am scratching my head about how. Porous, wilder look like he looked like he had too many drinks the night before. Like he just looked like he didn't come to fight. That doesn't. I'm not saying that you discredited. That no, man. I'm not trying to discredit for you, but I mean he did not look like any fight I mean, that you seen wilder before. Heavy. The huh? costume was too heavy. <laughs> no, I seen that with the Black Panther. Yeah. I, I I don't. So, something something wasn't right with Wilder, and I and I don't know. I, but again, I thought I thought Wilder won the first fight, and I don't know how that became a draw. And so now, obviously, obviously, Fury won this fight. You can say so how now it's set up to see who won the third one. I don't one. think I don't think it'll get there for. I think I think Fury Joshua. fights Joshua. I think Joshua beats Fury. It, I think it depends on how much of a draw is going to be based off of media fans. If it's if it's if people really want to see it, then they'll put Joshua. If everybody wants to see a rematch, then I think that how long are you willing wait. to wait? Because now uh, it I, needs to be by the end of the year. Well, I wanted to ask y'all: do y'all is flabby is flabby as on Fury <laughs> is, and he's six nine. Did you think he? Uh, and separate from the fact that he was laying on the dude, did you feel like Fury used the ring pretty well? I yeah, mean, he, he did. Well, before the fight, I had Fury because I saw too many people putting money on Wilder, and I, you know, I'm like, if I'm Vegas, and I'm not saying it's a conspiracy because he came but out Fury of the background. But Fury was a lot flabbier than what he looked like, like two years ago. If you looked at Fury to what he is now, he looked a lot worse before than he did this time. And the other thing is, I didn't realize until before the fight, and that's why I went with Fury, is because Wilder isn't a boxer. He came in as more of a fighter. He picked it up late. I want to say at the age of 19, where Fury picked it up when he was you know, like nine or 10 or something like that. So because of the flap and the weight and the height, he still had more skills. And I felt that Wilder was going to get tired and he put on a lot more weight. He was what? Um, 230? 231. 231. And before oh, no. he was 212. You talking about that fight last night? Wilder was 254. Yeah. So at the end, it was too much weight for him to carry. So he was like 40 pounds right, heavier. Right, more than, than he that. was in his previous fight. And I and I just didn't see that having that much weight was going to be an advantage. 
The other thing, too, is if you have less weight, Fury being 6'9 and such a big guy, you had to get closer to where his reach wasn't a problem. So you didn't well, have the mind, ability. Wild is six, seven. You didn't have the ability to get close to him, you know, to offset that. Now, the shot that you're saying on the back of the head, that's kind of questionable. I did think, of course, with the busted eardrum, immediately okay. when I saw that happen, I was like, okay, his equilibrium is gone. gone. Yeah, yeah. So anything that happens at this point, he's punch drunk to, yeah. to, to that said, phrase. And then looking at how he boxed the rest of the time, he even if you are punch drunk, you know you have to have your guard up. He kept having his left hand down, which allowed for him to keep hitting him on his only, right side. Wilder only knows one punch, and the one punch is throwing that hard straight right. And the way you got to get that hard straight right off is you got to use. He went back to what he knows, and his and what he knows is how to throw that one punch. Now what they gonna have to do with with Wilder, and I don't know if they can do it in nine months, is show him another punch, get him another punch. I mean, I was but just, again, if you're not a boxer then you're going to lose those tight matches well, to mean, someone who is. I, I take nothing but, away from Floyd being 15-0 because I do. he's been, I, I mean, as far as being a boxer. Because oh, yeah. he understands the ring, how to move around. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how you get to 50 well, I know well, no, I, well, I, no. I fought him for not fighting the fights when he needed no, no, to fight No, no, I would agree with you. But, but most of your lower level, you most of your lower level guys are pretty much more skillful. Your middleweights, your, 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 your felt, you know, those guys are pretty much more skillful moving around and whatnot. Your heavyweights, they are what they are. Now, I'm just glad to see that the heavyweights are back because we haven't seen back. anything like this. And we haven't course, had the hype American-wise. Like American-wise, we haven't had the hype. Since what... Um, Holyfield and Tyson almost. Well, I'm going to say the last. I mean, even Liz Lewis. He's, he's, he's UK. He's, he's UK. He's not. That's where all the belts. USA. And guess where all the belts are at now. Right. In, in the, the UK. UK. Mm-hmm. So Fury and Joshua going to fight. They going to fill up some. Wilbur, you know. Well, so I already come out that uh, Wilder is going to exercise his I, I rematch clause. I wouldn't if I was him. I'll wait this thing out. No, you do it. You do it now. To man. lose again? No, because of the fact is, well, for <laughs> well, I mean, why wait? Why wait? Why wait? Wait. No, see, what you have to do, you can't wait because that's what Floyd had gotten into the habit of, and which is why, even though he's 15-0, we still don't consider him one of the greatest. It's because you fight the person when you need to fight them, which is why USC and MMA has taken over yeah. because they make it but, happen but when you're, it needs to you're, happen. You're, you're acting, but... In this scenario, you're so acting, if you want to draw that no, crowd, you're acting like you need to make it happen. But you're acting like Joshua doesn't exist now. Where's granted, he from? No, I, I, I'm gonna I'm get there. So, but heavyweights are still heavyweights. Even though Lennox Lewis wasn't from America, we still watched him. We watched him because for one reason, we watched him because he was black. So you know, as far but as at that point, far, heavyweights were the thing. Kind of well, yeah. But I'm just saying, you got three fighters. Wilder obviously is lacking skill. Six months from now, he's not going to have any more skill than he has right now fighting Fury again. Now, if the money's there, then obviously he'll probably take it. But I think he'll be 30 and 2. Because I think Fury will beat him the same way he, he beat him this time. Well, can he come back in six months? Because I, no, I, I don't people I, got their eardrums, but I don't, can you come back from that? I don't, I don't think so. I think the way to go is if you're boxing and you want to hype this up in, in a year from now, and again, I believe if I'm Wilder, I wait. I take, I take, a, I take a lesser fight. Get back right. Work on whatever it is you need to work oh on. My. Work on. Listen. No, you. 
Work, work on it when work you on, fight this man. Okay, he'll be thirty and two, and he'll never get another fight again. And that's and Ooh, that, Wilder. Yes, he'll be. If he if he loses back to back to Fury, <laughs> he's over. Like it is it's over. If he loses, period, it doesn't matter when. If he loses, period, it's it, done. It does. It, so why it matters. Wait? It matters. No, you do, you remember, no. do you not remember? Go ahead. Jay. He's he's gonna work if he loses again. I mean, he'll definitely have to work his way. He's gonna work his way back to getting another title shot. And, and like he's, he's got to fight Ruiz. That. He's got Joshua. I mean, that's why that's why he's exercising the right. the, call, the rematch Close. now. Yes. He's not going to yes. fight Ruiz I, or somebody else I, first. I what I, happens when you I lose fight, to right? You I, so you working your way back and you lose. Now you're done. You never get another. Title he's gonna be he's he gonna be done either way it go. I'd rather be that, done. You know I'd rather be said? done. I, no, you know I no, say? you did not just say no. You whether if he loses, he's done regardless. So why not be done when you fight you the don't, title because, as opposed to fighting Because your next up. fight, your next, and this is boxing, so let's not act like they don't stage some of this stuff. They don't set they don't set the persons up a certain way. His next fight or next two fight is going to be a fight for the most part that he's going to win. Even if that guy going in, for the so, most part. I'm not fighting. When he's saying that he'll be done regardless, like he can't beat Ruiz. He can't beat Joshua. Why? Why? Why would you fight them when, if you you fight for a title? We've always. You want it, your next fight should be for a title. You don't want to have to start the road over on something. This come is up. no. It's this, ta- well, we're talking about in the case of Wilder, probably one one fight before fighting Fury again. Exactly. Hypothetically, and it might be Joshua. I, again, I think Joshua beats. I think Joshua beats Fury. This is this is what happened to me. This is what happened to boxing. Not so much you didn't have heavyweights. And this is what you, the UFC and they get right. They line these fights up and they take an order. And then depending on how it falls, they keep that order. They don't skip a guy and bring somebody else in. And boxing used to be that way. If you if you go back as far as you want to go to Ali and Frazier, everybody had Ali and Frazier again until until uh till, um Foreman. Norman Foreman. put that hammer on Frazier. And then it was like, you know what? Oh, well, nobody was like, well, no, nah, no, nah, Ali, you need to wait for Frazier. He went ahead and fought and, and fought Foreman. Yep. Boxing had gotten away, has gotten away from that at all levels where they start skipping guys and thinking people want to see people want to see the two best guys going at it. Okay, so and, to that point, and right make, now the two best guys to go at it Fury is and Joshua and no, Joshua is Josh, not the best. He's a third. There's only three heavyweights. He's not one the best. is Fury now, two is Wilder, and really three is Joshua. Joshua. Like, How do you Fury, skip him? Fury you has see that. Fury has three belts now. He got all three of them. Joshua yeah. has three belts. Exactly. So how in the world is Wilder now the best fight between him and and, and, and Fury? The, the contract. The contract. The contract. And, and I'm saying, the contract. And I just watched the, the guy bleed out that. one side of his ear, and I don't think in six months that's going to be a good fight. It might, I think in six months, money-wise, you're going to do what you want to do. This fight is probably in November, December. That's what I said. November, December, end of the year. Make it happen. So you don't skip Joshua. You can't. Man, Joshua right. had his two fight. Right. Joshua okay. had his two fights now. Okay. You have Joshua and Fury fight, and then hey, you have hey, contract. And then, be, contract. Right. I mean, okay. no, I understand that. Wilder I is under- calling contract right, right. now. Well, Wilder gonna be thirty and two. <laughs> so you gotta beat that. Wilder gonna be thirty and two, <laughs> right. and that contract better be for forty million dollars. Because when he get his head knocked off again, because he it's not enough time for him Wait to learn something new. For Wilder or Fury, after this fight, it's Fury. Wilder. I mean, I always thought. Like I said, I've always thought. I like Wilder for a lot of different reasons, but I also always thought Wilder only has, he's the one-trick pony. 
if you if you don't let him put that bomb on you, then what else can he go to? Which is why and you seen Fury it, to begin and with, you, and you and you and you. But Fury I, has the he but has I, more of the boxing skills to go along with. But I watched that fight, that away. first fight with Fury and Wilder, and Wilder beat Fury. So now, so if and how long? How long? So if how long? If Wilder won the first one, yeah. and Fury won this mm-hmm. one. Why not have the third one to settle it? So I got, I got a guy that got three belts somewhere else, and now I got three From belts. What? So now the, the 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 law and order of natural going through is for Fury and Joshua to fight. But also, and, cons- also consider this: if Fury's from the UK, Joshua's from the UK, you you can you can you sell that fight no. in America? And I'm telling you, yes, because no, we you can't. And the past you, history nope. is we watched Linux. That now, was yeah, but, now, but that was Lennox was fighting Americans though. Yeah, right. and, and he was fighting the, the only other it. British dudes. He, only other British dude he fought was Frank Bruno, and he yeah. beat him up twice. Listen, yeah. I, I understand. nobody's going to watch that here. We will. No, no, you won't. We will. No, you we won't. Will. We will. We will. That fight is going to be and at Wembley Stadium. And, and, yes, and, but this <laughs> and is how, but, and how but, much will pay per view be for but, that? It won't be what they tried to get also, the money for now. This is now. also the reason why then you go ahead and you rebuild Wilder up. You have, like I said, you haven't fight Ruiz. You haven't fight somebody else. You, you see, and I want to know what kind of heart Wilder has as far as climbing this mountain again. But to you know get, what? I'm okay with the I'm okay with the um, corner throwing in the towel because he was totally off, and it seemed like more and more. Not to be gross, but blood was coming out. They were going to stop the fight at the round before they went into the seventh. The the, the conversation was to stop it then. Now, if they had stopped it then, it would have been a real problem because that was not what the fans wanted to see. So let him go back out there. But you knew coming out coming out of that round, it was going to be a short leash. Any round knows, especially Bayless, when someone is sitting there hitting and you haven't thrown any punches. In a 20-second time frame, Man. you call it at that point. Yeah. So yeah, I, he was I, just sitting there on the rope. It wasn't even a rope dope because, again, he always had that left hand a little lower than his right, and you weren't throwing any punches. This was no Ali Foreman. Yeah, he was purposely doing rope. whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I, don't I, I don't. I had no problem with the the, the corner saving saving their man. Um, you know, if you want to get deeper okay. into it, you got, you know. Okay, how, how about now this? Now we know if, about um, CTE and all that kind of stuff, so, you know. As far as, like, the, the next fight, say uh, Fury is going to fight Joshua mm-hmm. to unify everything, and Joshua wins that fight. Yeah. And Wilder fights Ruiz, beats him. Should should Joshua like say okay I'm gonna fight Wilder now or a rematch with Fury? Depend on how that fight goes. We don't know if, if it's a close fight. Now I, I don't know how in the world they call the Fury Wilder fight a draw when the last three rounds of that fight I kept on seeing Fury picking himself up off the mat. But depending on if it's a close fight, you might get a Joshua Fury too, maybe. But I feel if Joshua unifies all the belt. And that's the reason why I'm saying you go ahead and have Wilder fight Ruiz and, and Wilder does what he's supposed to do and, and lays him out in three or four rounds. Now you got the hype, you got the screaming coming from across the pond over here in the States. Fight this man and, and Wilder still gets his chance to fight Joshua and get the belt back. Or if, if Fury wins, he still gets the chance to fight Fury and get a trilogy. There's no lose for me. There's no lose long term for boxing by having Joshua and Fury fight now and Wilder play his role because he lost to come back. The Wilder, if, if you the, the have Wilder, have if you Wilder have, is if he loses. He, if he loses against Fury or if he loses to, no, to no, Ruiz no, totally or whatever, different. 
<laughs> it's totally different if he loses to Ruiz. So I'm gonna because ask you, then you can't I'm, build that I'm, up I'm, again. I'm, no, I'm gonna ask you this. I'm gonna ask you this question. You telling you me you have to no, fix it? I'm, I'm Let's you, be honest. You got to fix it. I'm, I'm gonna ask you this question, which I just said earlier. Talking about me, you already know boxing does that. But I'm, ask, I'm gonna ask you this question. You already said no one wants to see Joshua and Ruiz. I mean Joshua and, and, Fury. and Fury fight. You, you said, here, it will be hard to sell. It's hard here. to sell. Yeah, but it's you, hard but, to sell. but you telling me no one wants to see that as a fan base, right? And I'm telling you now, what's the likelihood? You picked Fury the first time, and six months now, do you honestly believe there's going to be a difference in in a, a Wilder Fury fight again? Yeah, because he won the first time. What? From so, what? Yeah. You, from what you saw with Wilder, not having another another punch, not having, do you feel it would be different? Yes. I don't. I think Fury. So now, with that being said, long term for boxing, if nobody wants to see Joshua and Fury now, you know why? Why are they gonna Why are they gonna want to see Joshua and Fury a year from now? Because you, see you what got I'm a one one top. Everybody's giving Wilder. Even you said it. Wilder won the first yeah. one. Fury won this one. Mm -hmm. So let's see who actually wins on the third goal. Then I, then I, I mean, I know y'all keep on saying Wilder's going to probably in, 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 enact his, his his clause on the contract or whatever, but I think six to nine months is not enough time for him. From the way he got beat down and from the way I saw that he had, does not have By another December. punch, he needs, a, he needs a full year to go back into the fight. So if, you, if, if you're going to wait a full year, then that's fine. But I don't know how you wait a full year and you leave Joshua out there a man that has three more belts, has three belts too. How you skip over him? It's almost having this argument about you know With Kobe, have, Kobe okay. Jordan, and LeBron. So listen, how you skip? How you skip Kobe happened, and all of a sudden LeBron's the best? Sugar Ray, he lost to Roberto Durant. Durant, that, that was just back later, yeah, and then he beat him. Yeah, and everybody gave him a lot of credit in the loss because he switched his starting, his uh, fighting style up. Then he came back less than what well, was it, nine months. And then he back. beat Roberto and, Duran. And, and, like and said, Roberto Duran wasn't prepared for that second fight. He wasn't. Just like Fury may not be prepared, and I don't think he will be, fight. for that next fight. I mean, that's... Grant, I, I, and I that's just, how I can sell that fight. I just don't... I don't, here, I don't... I'm talking about here. Selling that fight here for the casual fan. Now, a boxer or people who watch boxing, yeah, they're going to watch uh, Joshua versus Fury because that's what they do. And the other thing is, if I'm an establishment, I can't sell that fight. And I still Everybody think, and their grandmama had a fight party. I still hey, think they had, we could have another one in the um, year. I still mm -hmm. think you I think you marinate you marinate this fight with Wilder and Fury again for the third one after Fury fights Joshua. Not not beforehand. I think you almost you know, if you're cooking a steak, you take it out too early, it's hard, you leave it in too long, it's, you take it out too early, it's too red and pink, you leave it in too long, it gets hard. It's supposed it, to be it, red and pink. You know what I mean? That's some, the thing, though. Some people, want this, be, some people want this well done. Red. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, that's not a good I, way to eat a steak. I just, I don't, as, I, I as don't think, FDA. I don't think, I don't <laughs> think you fight. Kobe, you what's a Kobe steak? It's not well done. Hey, we got to get out of here. What Play is a Kobe slim. steak? Kobe steak is horse beef. 24 ounces? Something like I don't know. Is it 24 ounces or 8 ounces? Yeah. No, no. Kobe steak is um, is um, horse meat in Japan. Oh, okay. That's all it is. Slim, your documentary, how people <laughs> now can we don't, Now you. we don't want a Kobe steak no more. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it is, though. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for more people to call in. So, you know, a lot of people were trying to call in, but... Guess we gotta have that part two now. Part huh? two. Yeah, part two. You always, yeah. It, 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 like, yeah. Not coming back. So how yeah. can we? How can we find you, Slim? Yeah. You can find me all over the world. Just <laughs> no, actually, just Google me. <laughs> actually, I just tell people just to go ahead and Google Okinawa Slim. O K I N A W A Slim S L I M. If you Google me, 
you can find out where everything is about me on, on that to the videos I have out there, documentary I have out there, pictures I have out there throughout the world. And the name of the documentary again? The documentary name is Okinawa Slim, The Billiard Legend. There you go. And it's out there, you know, so, yeah. It's been inspirational being here tonight. No problem. We appreciate you coming through. appreciate you coming, man. And you can find DNA Sports Talk on Twitter, DNA Sports Talk on Instagram, DNA Sports Talk on Facebook. Reach us directly. DNA Sports Talk at Gmail. Website. www.dnasportstalk.com. Back here next Monday. On WWE 1100 AM. See y'all next week. Peace. Welcome to DNA Sports Talk. This is Don the D and DNA. This is Ace of the A and DNA. Where we come to you live each and every Monday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On WWE AM 1100, iRadio Now, Radio, Radio Tune Where we bring the facts about sports. If you don't agree, say so. Oh, wow.